0: Going through that, seeing people that you care about, losing a lot of their stuff because they make some of those decisions. You want to do things the right way. You want to come back and look at things the right way. So we work from a numbers perspective and don't get emotionally attached to anything.
1: Are you ready to change your life? Welcome to the Multifamily Investor Ladies Podcast, sponsored by Freedom Capital Investments and Berkwood Capital. Your hosts, Linda Brooks and Lisa Hill, are two dynamic multifamily investor syndicators who combined have more than 400 doors in their portfolio and growing. Join them on their journey as they show you it's never too late to get started in multifamily real estate investing, and they'll show you how to do it successfully as a passive investor. And now, here are your hosts, Linda and Lisa.
2: Welcome everyone. So glad you've tuned in for another episode of the Multifamily Investor Ladies Podcast. We're here to help you get educated about the world of multifamily investing from a passive investor standpoint.
3: Each week, we bring you a guest who can share their experiences, their advice, their insights, their do's and don'ts, even about the best ways to navigate the world of multifamily real estate investing. Getting educated is the key. And as you all know, Lisa and
2: I are investors. That means we research, acquire, raise capital and engage our passive investor partners in order to purchase large multifamily apartment
3: buildings. And you as passive investors get to enjoy the returns. Now, Linda mentioned one of the first steps in the process, and that is research. How do we decide on a market or a city or a town to buy in? What do we look for? Do you get better returns in a large city like Washington, D.C. or Dallas? Or should you invest in a building in a medium or small-sized city? Well, our guest today has all the analysis to help
2: you decide. Leslie awesome is Director of Operations and Co-Founder of Excite Capital Investments. He manages the company operations, market data analysis, cash flow, and budget analysis. Last year, Leslie and his partners purchased a $20 million Class A property in Washington, D.C. And more than anything else, Leslie is just an all-around Ooh. great Ooh. guy.
3: Oh my goodness, Leslie. Welcome, welcome.
0: Wow, wow, wow. That's a nice intro. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Such a a privilege to be on your platform. Thank you so much for having me.
3: Well, we can't thank you enough for sharing your coming on board and sharing your insights. And now, Leslie, you bought your very first property just a few years ago, 2017. And then, what, in about two years, you moved on to multifamily investing. Tell us the story behind that. Why and how did you do it?
0: Well... You know, whether you come from a background of uh, successful business people or like you like the first person in your family going to college, there equally comes a time when you have to make like some serious financial decisions. That was uh, the story of myself, my partners and I. We share similar backgrounds in that. uh, My partners, Tenny, Julius and I. We share similar backgrounds in that we both good, successful careers. We're making great income, but we were more interested in growing our wealth in one way or another. Individually, we have both, we have all been um, investing in real estate. For my own, I started investing in 2017. I bought my first investment property. And what led me to buy that property was when I started working in my career as a nurse and a a very high-paying, successful career. But I felt like there was a ceiling to my growth. And I kept asking myself, so what's next? Next, what do I need to do next? You know, do I have to spend my whole life in the hospital and miss out on my kids and the important appointments on my kids? So I wanted to do something else to grow up. And I started doing some research and reading books. And I came across one book by Robert Kiyosaki talking about second chance at your money and your life, which really connected to me. That book recommended investing in real estate. That's how I um, took the plunge, started attending some um, real estate networking events, then eventually bought my first property. At the same time, too, my partners on the end, were are looking at the same thing. So we realized that we shared similar visions. So as we started networking and talking to each other and learning about each other and going to events, we realized that multifamily investing provides the greatest vehicle for wealth growth. And a lot of people in our communities did not even know that this vehicle of our investing existed. And When I talk about our community, I refer to like people in like the medical community, which we work in, minority communities as well. A lot of us work hard. We go to school. We get good jobs, have good degrees. But then when it comes to the money and work growth, we're not very, very strong on that. So that is the passion that pushed us behind um, starting this company that we have that is growing right now called Excite Capital Investment.
2: Man, that is so true. And more than the medical professions, trust me. But yeah, thanks. Listen, before investing in a property, knowing your market is key, right? Yep. And so how do you determine a good market from a not so good market? What's your market data analysis? What does your process look like?
0: This is the part of the, the business that I really love looking at all this data and trying to come up with a story and putting all these puzzles together. So we look at a lot of trends. We've learned a tremendous amount from a great mentors and we use some of the skills that we've learned in finding this market. So going into each market, first off, we look from a macro perspective, like where is the economy going? Where are things going? One great book that I recommend to anybody looking to get into this is uh, called uh, Big Shifts Ahead. A book on demographic, on what is coming and what has happened over the years. It gives you like a good perspective of, what has happened in the USA over the years and what is coming in the future. So we look at sources like that to determine where the future trends are. And once we identify where the future trends are, then we start looking for markets that fall in that trend and then going into a more deeper analysis. Some of the things we look at when we're looking for markets, we look at our population growth. Of course, when you're buying apartments, you need the population for people to rent in there. We look at our um, income, demographic, median household income of uh, the members in that market. And we look at historical rent growth in that market as well. We look at job growth. Job growth is very, very important because you can't go where there are no jobs. So we traditionally go where there are jobs and that's where we go. Linda, you know this, being our mentees of Dave Linda or you know his strategy of investing in emerging markets so we incorporate that into our data analysis when looking for markets we try to identify markets that are right there the cusp of growth that have all the fundamentals to explode but that might not have already exploded yet i'm very uh, grateful that we're having some great success with that so far
3: yeah, you mentioned uh, big shifts ahead. I like that. And maybe you can give us a little insight into what the future is, what you're seeing as far as the trends for now, because we are talking about a lot of change with the pandemic going on, right? So I'm not sure the book could predict what would happen in a pandemic. How much has that changed the market and your market data analysis?
0: So it's interesting because I read the book before the pandemic. I've heard a lot of people say that the pandemic has just accelerated what was already happening. And that is very, very true, right? The book talks about the future being southern like the migration of capital and people and jobs to the southern side of the u.s and that is exactly what is being escalated now by the pandemic the book also talk about the future being feminine and that is very true we're seeing that happening right now and the book also talk about being diverse you know and um and some of the recommendations that the book talks about is like it's predicting that in the usa in like the next um 10 to 20 years there's going to be a lot of Spanish-speaking Americans, traditional Americans, like first-generation Americans in the U.S. So you have to incorporate all of that when you're going in to build your business. Like, for example, when we go to these complexes and trying to do value-add, we take all of that into consideration. Look at the demography of the area and try to place um um resources or amenities, you know, that... Makes sense from demographics. So we look at all of that stuff. So to answer your question, the book was right in predicting what is happening. The book never predicted COVID, but all the trends that it predicted are being accelerated at a much rapid rate by COVID. Wow.
2: Okay. Okay. So a lot of people feel more comfortable investing in places where they know or where they might live, or where they're from, or their hometowns, or know someone who lives there. Is that necessarily a good barometer?
0: No, that's investing based on an emotional connection. Mm. Uh, You got to invest based on data. That's why I love data, because sometimes I'm emotionally connected to a city or property, but then the data kicks me, it kicks me out of it. So the numbers, you know, the numbers are there to help you make good financial decisions, right? Right. Um, like I've heard it a lot like people say oh yeah this place is booming oh this place is booming then you go in and crunch the numbers and realize no this doesn't make any sense actually the jobs are dropping population is dropping in that area you know so and when you make those emotional decisions that's when uh, you make financial mistakes and I'll say I'm lucky because I got exposed to this in 2008 right I had a family members that um got into real estate because it was all everybody was talking about buy a house blah 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 they lost all their houses right. because of the crash you No, know, so that yeah, those yeah. are some of the experiences that guiding me as i move forward and my partners as we move forward because going through that seeing people that you care about losing a lot of their stuff because they make some of those decisions you want to do things the right way right. you want to come back and look at things the right way so mm-hmm. we work from a numbers perspective and don't get emotionally attached makes
3: sense yeah, no, it does make sense. And I'm going to ask you where you go for your dad in just a second. But you mentioned don't go in your backyard or don't necessarily go in your backyard. But you guys last year just acquired 20 million dollar class A property last year. And that's your backyard. So what went yeah. what were the components into that acquisition?
0: So that was an interesting. I'm glad you asked that. We started working on that deal before COVID. Ah, OK. <laughs> yeah, we started working on that deal before COVID, then COVID hit. So our partners and I had a conversation and the initial thought was, you know, we need to back out of this deal and wait and see what things are because we don't know where things are going, the panic and everything, you know. But then after sitting back and zeroing down everything, we went back and look at the data, right? Emotionally speaking, it was like, okay, let's run. Everything is going crazy, but we went back and look at the data, what did the data show? We bought a property in D.C. Amazon is moving to D.C. D.C. traditionally has shown to be like one of the most resilient markets in real estate uh, over the years, over every crash. You know, um, D.C. is projected to grow tremendously in the next few years. Like the initial year or two might be a little bit rough, but afterwards the growth is coming to D.C., right? We live here we feel the pulse of everything. And looking at the numbers, the numbers supported that. And then we started looking at reports from all the big guys, all the big industry guys, listing the, the markets that are poised to bounce back early from the COVID crisis. And DC was right there at the top three, wow. you know? So looking at the data, regardless of everything that we're going on, that property still made sense, you know? So we decided to proceed with it. And um, I'm glad we did. The market is facing those challenges that were predicted right now, but We are um, navigating through the storm very well. So I'm happy that we're having that experience as one of our properties for sure.
3: That, I'm glad you're, well, congratulations on that acquisition. That's huge and glad things are still looking up and you're you're riding the storm very well. You mentioned the data and I think our listeners would want to know, well, where do you go to get the data? What do you do? I know there's the Milken report, there's census data, there's, I don't know, do you go to realtor.com? How can our passive investors learn and get more data analysis?
0: So a very easy resource is city data. And I'm going to refer you guys to a, a class taught by one of our mentors, Neil Bauer. It's called Real focus i think he offers it for free on his uh, website i have no affiliations with it so but i i was uh, one of his students in the past so but it's a great 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 class on how to pick neighborhood markets and it just doesn't apply to multifamily; family applies to um, single family as well and all the steps and the tools that he provides on there are free and anybody can go in and use it I think it's real focus or something like that. But just look up Neil Bauer, Real Focus. It goes through the step-by-step process on how you could look at median household income on city data, how you could look at you could identify a path to progress on city data and how and the numbers that you need to be looking at for the population growth, the job growth, the percentages that make sense. You know, and um we use that that format as well to identify the markets we go into. We also um, invest a lot in a lot of different tools that we use to um, investigate what markets are in. But most importantly, Mm boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we value the relationships that we build on the ground. Like, for example, the the Carolinas, we're making it our main market. So one of my partners actually moved his whole family down there so that we could have that presence. Because when you go out and talk to property managers, talk to people in markets, they see things that maybe the CoStar report and these other reports don't have it in mm-hmm. there yet. And that is the experience we had with the property that we have under contract right now, mm-hmm. right? Because when we we're looking at that property a few months back, some of the data sources that you are looking at online were not necessarily favorable, but boots on the ground. Our property management company was telling us, listen, this is happening. Do not turn your back on this. Come down, look at this. Come and take a feel for it. And we went down, looked at it, and we then did some more research on the ground and got more insight of what was going on. And sure enough, when we went on the contract, then the reports started coming out about, you know, Columbia, South Carolina, mm-hmm. jumping, all this stuff. So so it, we're very grateful that we have this process in place and it's working. So uh, yeah,
3: awesome. Congratulations on that. Under contract. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can tell us a little bit about
2: that in a few minutes. That real focus class, I took that class and I concur with you 100%. So, would you say the time period between market cycles is anywhere from five to 10 or 12 years?
0: Um, it depends. It depends on the location. I've seen some markets go from um, recession to expansion, then um, back to recession, you know. Mm. Um, depending on what's going on, especially now with COVID, you know, so it depends. But traditionally, it's like five to 10 years, correct?
2: Mm. And the least preferred cycle is buying at the peak market, right? Correct. Right. Okay.
0: Why? Well, when you buy at the at the top, right? Again, the economy goes in cycles. Everything goes in cycles. Everything in life goes in cycles, up, down, up, mm-hmm. down. So when you buy at the top, then you're buying at a point where a correction is geared to happen. You know, unless mm-hmm. you plan to hold a property for a very long period of time. You know, then like let's say um, real estate, when you hold it long enough, it's forgiven. Because if you plan to hold it for 10 to 15 years, to be honest, it really doesn't matter when you buy it because over time, you're still going to make your money. So, But for the syndications that we do, where we hold properties three to five years, it's very important that we put in all this research to find the right market, right phases of the cycle so that at three years, we are ready to exit out and um, give amazing returns to our investors.
2: Yeah, I read a book, as you know, as being part of the Dave Lindahl training program, Dave Lindahl's books that talks about real estate cycles. And so he talks about the different phases of the cycles and the best time to consider buying. So yeah, thanks for sharing that with our our listeners. So the best cycle to buy is when the market is flat, right?
0: The best cycle to buy is like at the expansion phase, right? Mm -hmm. You have the recession, you have expansion, then you have, uh, what is it, hyper supply. Mm -hmm. Then you come back down. to um, to the recession. So the best time to buy is when the market is right there at the beginning of the expansion phase.
3: All right. I like it. What's your best advice, Leslie, for someone considering getting into multifamily apartment investing? Don't wait. Love it. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Absolutely perfect. Before
2: we wrap up today, do you want to tell us a little bit about the deal you have on the contract?
0: Well, uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity, Linda. So uh, it's a 132 unit um, class project in Columbia, South Carolina, located in one of the best neighborhoods in Columbia with the top high school in that area. So that high school provides a strong backbone for that community. Like I was mentioning, some of the data that is coming out out of that area now. That neighborhood had about eight percent rent growth over the last twelve months. You know, and everything that's happening in Colombia expanding due to e-commerce. So uh, we have it offering to accredited investors only. Uh, minimum investment fifty thousand dollars. And um, if you want to find out more about the property, please um, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And uh, you could visit our website or you could contact me directly. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, um, is it okay if I give them my contact information? Of
2: course. That was the next question.
0: <laughs> um, you could actually reach out to me, uh, text me. My cell phone number is 301 655 4708. Again, it's 301 655 4708. And our website is www. X as in Xylophone, sitecapital.com. That's X site,
2: And X site, the S, the site is with an S, right? So X, S is in Sam, I-T-E.com.
0: Capital.com.
2: Xsitecapital.com. Correct. Excellent. Well, Leslie, thanks so much for being a guest on our show today. You've already told us how our listeners can get in touch with you. Any last words before we close out?
0: Well, I just want to say uh, thank you ladies for having me on this platform and I really thank you for what you guys are doing. Keep striving forward and um, let's keep providing value to the community and keep helping other people grow their wealth and um, grow their minds as well. One more thing I forgot to mention, Um, please feel free to join our meetup. We provide a lot of education to investors and people looking to grow in this business and um, become part of the platform and whatever resources you need on your journey to growth, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out to any one of us. Uh, We're very passionate about that.
3: Yes, indeed they are. We'll have all this information on our website as well, in case you didn't, you're driving and you didn't get to to write any of this down. Leslie, thank you so much. And thank you for joining us, everybody. To show our appreciation, we would like to offer you a special gift. Be the first person to contact us through our website, multifamilyinvestorladies.com. And we're going to send you a free book to help you advance your passive investing journey. Probably will be the Robert Kawasaki book, right? Second chances that Leslie mentioned. Yeah, that's a great book to send. Yeah. Yep.
2: And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to leave us a five-star rating right there on your favorite listening platform. And if you like what you hear on the show, you find it helpful and want to learn more, go ahead and hit subscribe. Thanks again for listening. And remember, it's never too late to start passive investing in real estate with the Multifamily Investor Ladies.
1: For more information about today's episode, Learn more about Passive Multifamily Real Estate Investing or to reach Linda or Lisa directly, visit us on the web at multifamilyinvestorladies.com. Thanks a mil for joining the Multifamily Investor Ladies podcast sponsored by Berkwood Capital and Freedom Capital Investments. Your hosts, Lisa Hill and Linda Brooks, remind you it's never too late to get started on your multifamily real estate investing journey and they'll show how to do it successfully. As a passive investor. And we'll see you next time.